I'm Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. We help men deal with the life changes triggered by divorce, such as child custody and property division, among many others. But life changes also occur after divorce. These changes can make parts of your existing court order irrelevant or harder to follow. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. We're a partner men can count on. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to a special media day breakdown and training camp preview here on the Bird Calls, the podcast dedicated to SB Nation's TheBirdRights.com. I'm your host, Preston Ellis, and I've got a new lease on life. I'm getting married next week, and I'm all aboard the Pelicans hype train, and I'm not alone. What's up, Editor-in-Chief Ali Cassell? Well, it's about time, Preston. Is it, is it the fact you're getting married is giving you hope, or is it just, you know, I, I talked some sense into you. I think it was uh, meeting kevin and seeing that that beautiful beard and and just it caressing me while we took a photo outside of uh outside of his <laughs> restaurant do you know he offered me free alcohol i hope his business owners don't know that what's up kevin oh not much man just- hi this is scott trout ceo of the domestic litigation firm cordell and cordell there are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Trying to recover from, like, I don't know, some sort of sinus infection, but other than that, I'm doing all right. Oh, okay, glad to hear it, man. We need you to bounce back quickly. Hopefully, you just uh, gave it to Ali Cassell because the two of you guys just came from Pelicans Media Day. Oh, by the way, you guys can follow them at Ali Cassell and Kevin B for bounce. Let's get that out of the way. Uh, you guys, you went to Media Day yesterday. Break down exactly what took place and uh, take a step by step through the two of your uh, romantic date. <laughs> well, Media Day is such an awesome experience. No. All you do is you listen to people gloat and boast about how great everything's going to go this season. You know, there's, we're, we're starting from ground level. There's not a bad experience yet. But no, this year, I thought everything seemed a lot more positive. Last year, there was a lot of excuses being tossed right, right away. You know, you had Del Demps talking about um, the injury excuses, which are legitimate, of course. Drew Hall, they had a missed time. Tyreek, Quincy Pondexter, those guys weren't available to start. So the team had to start with a Band-Aid. Uh, kind of patchwork yeah. roster, and um, Dell Dems made no bones about it. it was going to be a process, and sure enough, it was. But this year, he was talking about winning, as were the players. They were all excited. Uh, a lot of them even mentioned that the Pelicans are kind of being underrated. Um, they like what they've done so far, and it sounds like they spent a lot of time. That's my biggest thing. It's like we're going to start the year with people knowing their roles. Um, they've had months to work on their games and together. As toward the last couple of years, that hasn't really been the case. So I'll, I'll toss it over to Kevin. I'm curious to see what he's got to say about what he, his initial uh, um, uh, whatever perspective was on the whole media day. Yeah, I mean, like you said, I mean, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of fluff. You know, it's kind of a dog and pony show going to that thing. But it, it is provides some interesting things. Um, I think the things that stood out to me 
for one, was how much every player and every coach praised Rajon Rondo, you know, making it seem like, you know, you signed, they signed like one of the best players in the league and they pra- praised his, uh, his leadership. Uh, you know, they called him a true, Anthony Davis called him a true lead guard. Um, everybody talked about his IQ and his leadership abilities. And it, you know, it made me think a little bit about um, how he's been labeled sort of a locker room problem or a malcontent. And I think, you know, it's probably, I mean, there's always two sides to every story, I guess, but like, you know, if he's a guy with high intellect and he's a guy who wants to learn a lot, he's probably a very inquisitive guy and a guy who questions everything. And I think sometimes in a, in a sports environment where, you know, the coach, especially an old school kind of coach, maybe like a Rick Carlisle who, uh, you know, blisters that being questioned by a player, um, that, that might have caused some of those, uh, sort of labels to be applied to him unfairly and unjustly. And, um, you know, just seeing how excited everybody was to play with him and be around him, it got me excited about it and uh, made me definitely not worry about locker room issues that, you know, people were predicting would happen when you put this guy and Boogie together in a locker room. Um, so that that was good. Um, another thing that stood out to me was, uh, you know, I was very happy uh, with Del Demps talking about, you know, knowing that going big was the way to do it and that you uh, aren't going to outshoot Golden State. It's pointless to try to try to do that. Um, so try to build a roster in a completely different way, uh, which is something, you know, I've been talking about for a while, and it was good to hear that. Um, it'll be a, it's going to be an interesting experiment, and I hope I and Del Demps are right about, like, that philosophy of focusing on defense and being bigger. Um, to, to counteract those kind of teams, you know, it reminds me of like, um, you know, back in the in Shaq's era of dominance, how, you know, he was arguably the best player in the league, the most dominant player in the league. So we saw all these teams get all these guys that were like seven foot guys that had no basketball skills just to try to kind of combat Shaq. And it was just basically pointless. And I think that's kind of what the rest of the league is doing and trying to combat Golden State, you know, trying to build these, small uh, all shooting lineups and ignore, you know, defense and rebounding and those kind of things. So I think we're doing something different and I, and I hope it, it works and I think it will. And the team seems excited about being that different team and having a completely different identity um, than the rest of the league, which is cool. Um, yeah. How, how'd you like that, Kevin? How'd you like that phrase by the Marcus? I do believe we have a chance to change the style of play in the league. Forget about making a playoffs. He's talking about something, you know, groundbreaking that they can set a trend in well, the yeah. NBA. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, that, yeah, that's, I had to add that phrase. Yeah. That was an awesome phrase. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was, you know, like I, I wrote that that piece about, you know, the three part piece about that about how like you you change trends, you know, you you have to uh, do something completely different, and you have to be the, you know, take the minority to make the shift, and we're that minority right now, so. Um, yeah, I'm definitely all aboard on that. Um, the other things, or one thing that troubled me that I heard from Eldon Gentry is that uh, there'll be times where he he's going to play one big and four guards at, at a time, which I definitely don't like that idea. That's counterproductive to what we we're just talking about. But um, we'll see if that actually happens or not, and on how much of a you know scale that happens. 
um, it was also good to hear that they're that he's considering uh, you know changing his philosophy on offensive rebounds, which you know is something that at the beginning of last season I know David Fisher and I were championing that you know saying like you have Anthony Davis put him near the basket, let him crash the board. You know the argument at the time was that uh, we were like I think at the time we had like the eighth highest rated transition defense but also at the same time we're like the 28th in overall defense so I didn't see how that was creating much of an impact whereas getting extra possessions for a struggling offense seems like the way to you know at least try it and see if it happens if it works I mean I think Anthony Davis can be an incredible offensive rebounder um you know and then you got Cousins you got Rondo Tony Allen's a good rebounder I mean Drew Holiday can even rebound um, and while Dante Cunningham isn't a great rebounder, if he's like the third guy in the front line, that's, you know, an advantage just because of his size. Um, so I'm, I'm glad that they're at least, you know, considering it. And I think it's something that they should definitely do. Um, I think, I guess those are my, oh, the other thing that I like is, uh, I heard from Drew Holiday, which he said, you know, he seems to be really excited about playing with Rajon Rondo. And he said, one thing is that it allows him to be more selfish, which, like, when you hear that from a player, you normally don't want to hear that. But that's a player I definitely want to hear uh, say that he needs to be more selfish because I think that's a problem we've had with him for his tenure here. He just uh, it seems too hesitant to try to, to to score and try to get his own, um, and that hesitation often leads to other problems. Um, so that all those things are really positives for me the only real negative thing is uh you know the, the that rotation thing with gentry and then of course you know the, i mean not that i expected omar Ashik to ever play again but you know it's sad that he's dealing with such serious you know health issues but it yeah, sounds but like he's leaving the man yeah yeah i was just gonna say it sounds like he just turned a corner though a month ago and that was great i mean can you imagine now He's been struggling with some kind of disease and that's just not feeling right forever and ever until just a month ago. So it was just good to hear him. That he, he, he cleared some kind of hurdle and he, he thinks he's on the uh, road to recovery. I think that was great for him. You know, yeah. I like hearing that. I see him, you know, like I, was, I couldn't believe he was even there. So that was like, you know, good, a good sign, I guess. You guys are bouncing all over the place. You covered, I think, half of my questions already. Uh, Ali, let's let's get super specific here, Jamel McMillan style. Uh, just take us back behind the curtain. I've never been to a Pelicans Media Day. I would assume most of our listeners have never been to a Pelicans Media Day. Walk us through the front door. Tell us exactly like what the schedule was, who you got to meet, what shoulders you got to rub with, and uh, and basically what is the the whole breakdown, the whole scheduling of a New Orleans Pelican media day? Sure. Well, for most of the media, it's just simply you're going to listen to interviews all day, uh, and you can uh, ask questions. It always starts off with uh, the organization's leaders. In our case, it was Del Demps and Alvin Gentry kicking it off. And it was followed by ev- literally every single player, including even our two-way contract. So everybody had a chance to go up there, take questions. And, you know, that last long day for about three hours. But during this whole other time, they on outside of the media room, they've got all sorts of little um, studio setups as to where they're taking all sorts of pictures. And then on the basketball court, there's uh, some personal one-on-one where, like, I know Chris True was filming some stuff with uh, the Pelicans. 
where uh, he was challenging all the players to uh, a game of cups, see who can stack the cups, I guess, the fastest. And I think he told me he beat everybody. Um, so, um, but anyways, yeah, it's, it's just basically media days of fun day. It's just a photo op, uh, with anybody that's, you know, AESPN was there. I saw sports illustrated. Um, and I'm sure the NBA was there. Um, and then just for all the media people that wanted, you know, to get questions, you just sit in a room and you just take turns. You talk to every, you get a chance to talk to everybody. It makes for a long time, but you know what? It, it's fun for somebody like Kevin and I, who don't do this every day. We're not beat writers that travel follow the team so this is kind of cool to actually have that perspective so I, I can't complain cool it sounds kind of like it's a super bowl media day exactly yeah that's a good comparison cool let's start to get in on some of these individual quotes uh kevin you were mentioning uh, a specific quote that alvin gentry said he said drew holiday tony allen obviously each one more can do it this is uh talking about who is going to be the Pelicans starting small forward. Uh, he was noticeably absent from the team photo that was featuring Rajon Rondo, Anthony Davis, Boogie, and Holiday because we don't know who it is yet. On our Twitter poll, 50% of 550 voters asked that Dante Cunningham start. And to continue Gentry's quote, he said, there are definitely going to be some games when there are three guards out there with two bigs, Gentry said. Sometimes even four perimeter players with one big. It's going to be predicated on the opponent we're playing and the situation. You just went pretty in-depth on this. So we know there's going to be a lot of experimenting in the next two weeks and uh, through the four games in our preseason. What do you think is going to be the end result of this experiment? And how much of this is going to roll over into the regular season where we're going to see a lot of trial and error with these lineups that uh, sometimes are going to work, but more often than not, might not work? Well, I think you're going to see a, lo a lot of trial and error throughout. I don't necessarily want to call it trial and error. I think that spot, because there is no clear starter at that spot, it's going to be a, a matchup dictated choice. And I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing just because we don't have have that guy, but we have a lot of different kinds of pieces that can fit in that that role. I mean, um, in theory, I, I would think that Dante Cunningham would be the starter um, just because of his familiarity. His his skill set is good. He's a good cutter. He's a good uh, three point shooter. You know, he's a he's, he can be a good defender. He's shown he can be a good defender, especially on the ball or whatever. Um, but uh, I don't. But the thing is, we still have that hole at the backup big, so you might not want to play, start him there just so he could play more of a uh, backup power forward role when, you know, Boogie comes out and AD slides to center or AD goes out, play next to uh, Boogie. So you might want to give him most of his minutes there. Um, you know, Darius Miller is an intriguing option just because, you know, I mean, he's, he was known to be a high IQ guy. He doesn't have great athleticism. Uh, but he, he's a he's a hard worker, and apparently he's he's a good jump shooter. Um, he seems confident, um, so he might get a good uh, chance at being the starting guy. Um, you know, but then sometimes if you're playing teams that are smaller, you might want to start Tony Allen. You might want to start Etwan Moore if you need if you feel like you need some more shooting out there. Maybe like Etwan Moore is out there, or uh, even like Ian Clark because like Drew Holiday can guard the three. Um, but well, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing that they're gonna they have the idea of uh, making it matchup specific. I mean, I like the idea of us going out there and saying we're big and this is our identity and you have to match up to us. But 
that's going to happen because you have Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, no matter who's starting at the three. Um, so I don't really mind that the three spot might be matchup specific and not necessarily have a set guy there. I mean, obviously, ideally, you would want to have a great small board in that spot, but we just don't have that guy on the roster right now unless somebody makes a great leap forward. Um, but we'll see. I mean, I'm okay with, with sort of rolling the dice with it for now. Ali, uh, in a in a perfect world, what do you hope happens in that position? Do you like this uh, this sort of running back by committee type approach to the small forward, or is there somebody specifically that you hope settles into that role? I would prefer to see a shooter emerge, Preston, because that would take some pressure off both Drew and Demarcus, kind of needing to be on with that starting lineup. If say if it's Tony Allen or Dante Cunningham, who will only shoot wide open threes. I mean, I think it would be great if Darius Miller stepped up. After watching a lot of his footage in Europe, one thing he wasn't was gun shy. He's, he, when he went over there two and a half years ago, this guy was, you know, kind of shy about launching shots. But in Germany, he was the man. And he, you know, he mentioned on Media Day and even uh, I heard on a radio interview with Sean Kelly before that that's one of the biggest things. He learned to totally change his mindset because a lot more was demanded of him. So I honestly would like to see that guy like a Ray. I mean, I'm just going to throw that name out there, Ray Allen, even though I don't expect Darius Miller to ever be Ray Allen. It would be nice to have somebody that can, you know, shoot it immediately. Once he gets open, he knows how to get open and just put up the shots. Because I really don't see Drew Holiday being that type of shooting guard, even though let's say he did work in a shot, that it is going to be dropping a lot more. I still don't see it. And even Drew mentioned one of the biggest things for him to be aggressive is taking it to the hole. So we need to have kind of that spot-up shooter that's going to let it fly, that's going to be deadly, it's going to cause teams within games, you know, kind of come out and guard him. I don't care about this whole gravity thing long term for the season i just want it to happen in games where the, you know whoever's out there has to be respected so yeah in a perfect world preston i mean i hear what kevin's saying um and it may not be a bad thing having this whole approach of just rotate through best matchups but i would prefer if a guy that can really shoot the three ball emerge and right, you know I'm, of I'm course sorry. that's darius miller yeah sorry go um, ahead no sorry i i thought we were at a breaking point i i don't want to step on your toes talk as long as you want um do you do you have anything more to add to that or want to move along? No, no, I'm good. Uh, yeah. Okay, let's let's move right along. I want to cover some of the the bigger uh, uh, players or or executives parts of the Pelicans and get your comments as to some of their uh, more noticeable quotes. We're going to start with Dell Demps, and uh, we just touched upon Alvin Gentry. We'll do that a little bit more. I want to get you guys' takes on some of the stuff that uh, Scott Kushner and Will Gullery were writing down on Twitter as they were happening. Uh, Dell Demps said, "We just uh, this is in reference to the free agents brought in, Ian Clark, Rajon Rondo, Tony Allen, that sort of thing. Uh, when someone asked if he had preferred bringing in more shooters, he said, we just tried to add guys we thought were going to fit in with what we're trying to do. Every guy we added to the team brings something to the table. I don't know if you classify Rondo as a great shooter, but he's a great player. The same thing with Tony Allen. Uh, elements we weren't missing, but we just added a higher level of intelligence, the toughness and the competitiveness as well they add to win in this league, especially in the West. You have to have that toughness factor. So they went into the offseason looking for shooters, but came out with IQ and toughness, according to these quotes. And then uh, when talking about, you know, needing to win, Mickey Loomis had said weeks ago, I think you definitely look at it that way. I think we're due and it's time to have some success. So based on these comments and these quotes, how how confident are you, uh, Ali, that not only did we get the free agents that we need to succeed this year, 
but that Dell Demps is the man to, to, to keep pushing that ship forward. How confident did he seem at uh, press day on Monday? He seemed really confident. Um, he always talks about liking his job, but for some reason to, yesterday, he was, he was a lot more confident in terms of the team. He wasn't afraid to go out on that ledge. They expect the team to be able to compete, that they can win. Um, he did say that it may take a little bit of time to gel. And it kind of makes sense. You know, our guys have only been together for a few months. That's where most of the opposition has been, you know, like Golden State for a couple of years or whoever. But I was optimistic with what Dell Demps also said but did during the offseason. As Kevin mentioned, there are other ways to try and maybe build a winner or at least a competitive team. And that is through if you can't land the top shooters, why not go another route? And I think they did. He's absolutely right that they added – great basketball players of course when they're in, involved and active and you know into the games like Ray John Rondo but if he can turn it on every game and we know Tony Allen's going to bring it um, if we can have these guys always in the on position I think that has to translate to the rest of the team it's going to inspire Anthony Davis who I swear last year he had his moments where he was beasting he was able to grab the bull by the horns but there were other games where it almost seemed like he was coasting Granted, I'm not trying to say that this guy has a problem with effort, but it was kind of noticeable that whether he was playing at his 110% level or his 90% level, which is still way better than almost anybody else in the league. But I think they accomplished what they set out to do. Yeah, the top shooters didn't come here, but they got guys that filled in. And I was saying this even before the free agency. IQ is a big, big deal in here in New Orleans, and we haven't seen much of it since Chris Paul left. Uh, when, when you're relying on Tyreek Evans, who kind of is a one-dimensional player in terms of where he, he kind of has tunnel vision, only looks to make one pass, never looks two passes ahead. Uh, it's a really big deal that they got a guy that is basically a coach on the floor. I think Rajon Rondo is going to be huge for the team. I said it before that I wanted to see a guy like that. I mean, I had always hoped Drew Holiday could turn into that, but I haven't seen it, so we can't trust that's ever going to turn out. But we got the next best thing um, in terms of, Shooting is a guy that can run the offense. We're not going to stall out, get get the ball to the guys whenever they're open. How many times do we see Anthony Davis cutting or whoever else was wide open or they just simply make a pass, and by the time the pass is made, that the de- defense is caught up and they're able to contest the shot. From what I heard on media day, um, I think it was Holiday that said it, right, Kevin, where he said, John Rondo is finding us, and all we're getting is open looks. We're not used to this. So I think we're going to see it, Preston. I think what Dell Demps did this season, I think it's going to translate. We're going to see the fruits of his free agency, you know, from game one. Kevin, jump on in there. Talk about what you heard from Dell Demps, how confident you made it. Uh, he, he made you, not just on the caliber of players that he's added, but basically just his overall demeanor, like Ali was saying. He, he sounded very confident. Is that right? <laughs> Yeah, I would say so. I mean, like, I, I'm a Dell supporter, always have been. So I, I think, you know, especially now this year, like, I mean, obviously, like, we had a very similar idea of what this team needed. I mean, he got different players that I had suggested, but they're very similar players. And uh, so I, I think it's like a good blueprint. And he seems very confident in that blueprint. And also, I mean, like, last year, Ollie and I went last year to uh, Media Day as well. And last year, what we heard was it's a process, you know, this year is about, is a, is about uh, a process and getting better. And then, whereas this year you hear it's about winning and, and, um, you know, confidence is that we can match up with 
with all of, you know, any team out there. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, I think they're, they're very satisfied with what they've done. And I think they've done a, a really good job with what they, they had to work with. And, you know, I mean, if you think about it, you look, if you look at, you know, the, your five starters, um, basically three matchups against most opponents, you're winning those, you know, I mean, you're looking at uh, DeMarcus Cousins is better than every other center in the league. May, you know, maybe on some nights, Marcus Hall is going to get the best of them, maybe, but um, Anthony Davis is, you know, the best power forward in the league. So that's two matchups you win right there. Drew Holiday at the two guard. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely, you know, top half of the league as a two guard. Um, so you're winning that matchup most nights. Rondo can win matchups a lot of nights or at least make it uncomfortable for the opposing point guard um, when he's not overall better than them. Um, and then now you're cycling in a bunch of, legit NBA players at all the other positions of backup roles, you know, so whereas before we were cycling in guys that were borderline NBA players, you know, 10-day contract guys, but now everybody that sees the court, you know, except for maybe sometimes we have to play some uh, some big men that are, uh, you know, NBA average players for short spans of time, but for the most part, you're, you're cycling real NBA players. I mean, look, you're you're trying to figure out if Jamal, uh, I mean, um, Jordan Crawford is going to make the team or how many minutes Ian Clark and Eklon Moore are going to get. Those are like real NBA players right now. So it's, you know, you're at, you're at a pretty good spot, I, I'd say. One of the more interesting quotes uh, I, I heard, because a lot of these quotes are saying the, the same thing. Ali mentioned one of them, uh, Drew Holiday said, playing with Rondo, you you get like wide open shots. They're not even contested three-point shots. They're wide open shots. That's what I'm excited for, just wide open shots. Holiday talked about me being more aggressive. Uh, DeMarcus talked about how the game comes so easily to Rashawn Rondo. He knows how to put guys in the right spot to be successful, that sort of thing. But Ali, I want to talk about something different. This is something Rajon Rondo said, and by all accounts, uh, he has already cemented himself as the leader of this team. Uh, there was a, a cute quote about how Rajon Rondo just kind of ushered Boogie away from the for the press conference table because he had been talking too long. And here's what Rajon Rondo said that I want to ask you about. He said, what I'm trying to preach, what I'm trying to bring to this team is the defensive met- mentality that we have to have night in and night out. It won't be offense that beats those good teams. He said something uh, to the point of nobody's going to outshoot Golden State. What he then said was, it's going to be our defense. Now, we've heard all this talk about you know bringing in shooters, Chris Finch working out with Anthony Davis and Boogie uh, in Las Vegas. But this is this is something totally different. We already have a top 10 defense. I think our offense was ranked 26 last year. But Rondo says to take the next step, all these guys are going to have to buy in defensively. Uh, with with all this talk of offense, Ali, did did that surprise you? And is there a possibility that we have a top five NBA defense next year? Yeah, I think there is a chance for that. But I want to put Rondo's, um, that quote you just mentioned, a little bit more in context. First, you got to realize that the focus, and he knows this, and I think everybody on the team knows it because they all talked about it, 
for the most part, was that defense is going to be their calling card. And and Rajon Rondo, I can't remember if he said it right before or right after that quote you just mentioned. He talked about they're not going to have to worry about points. He, he's like, I've got the Marcus Cousins. I've got AD. And then he even mentioned Drew Holiday, I think, scoring maybe 40 points. That took me aback. So, I mean, if we've got all of a sudden an aggressive Holiday out there, you know, he's kind of right. We're not going to have to worry about points as much, not with the starters anyways. And as for the defense, um, again, that's always been his calling card. So it's hard for him to say something else. Um, maybe he's saying it partially because he hasn't played with these guys enough in a competitive atmosphere. So he just wants to make sure that, you know, this is my mentality. This is what I'm expecting. I've heard how you guys did last year. I looked at some numbers or whatever, but this is what I'm expecting. You know, as a leader, he's going to set the tone regardless of what, whatever happened in the past. He wasn't here. You know, he, he wasn't a part of that. So he's just simply setting a tone. And But you're right. My God, there was no doubt about it. He is the leader of this team. People can say that Cousins, AD, and even Holiday to an extent are going to somewhat lead the team. And they're right. But Holiday's going to – or I'm sorry, excuse me, Rondo's going to be the one dictating a lot of it. He's going to be the one talking the most, I foresee, in huddles, directing traffic. Um, Cunningham made a good point saying he's already been talking to everybody. Now, granted, he'll point out some mistakes, but he'll also – uh, hand out a lot of accolades and I think that's very huge that's important and you know we've always just heard about bad side Rondo but if he's being fair and how he's doling out his advice or criticisms that's outstanding what else can you ask he's bringing a professional atmosphere he's a proven winner and he's talking about defense something that needs to be our calling card I see nothing wrong with it Kevin I'm gonna go off topic just for a bit stay with me um I'm thinking about the Golden State Warriors and how the way they play basketball is changing the NBA. We we saw super teams before, like, you know, the Bulls in the 90s or the Lakers or the Heat, the Heatles, as they called them with LeBron and Dwayne Wade. But now we're seeing a different brand of basketball. We just had a quote from Melo two days ago saying that everybody wants to be the man. Uh, and, and I'm paraphrasing this, but basically, you know, everybody wants to win more. And we saw quotes from, from Anthony Davis saying, DeMarcus uh, came to me this summer, and he said he just has to win, just for him. He's never been to the playoffs. Uh, Drew Holiday is talking about being more selfish because that seems to be what everybody wants him to be. Everybody buying in immediately to Rajon Rondo being the, the the master and commander of this team. Nobody, you know, putting their ego in front of anybody else. We're just seeing like everybody come together and and put this uh, us before me uh, system forward in a in a league that 10 years ago was was all about being superstar driven kevin how how different are the pelicans coming uh are are come are becoming right before our eyes right now yeah i mean it's definitely that it's you know like you know i think uh boogie said it it was you know we don't care about stats we care about the w and and everybody's just working together to to get that and doing whatever they need and it, it's funny like you know, people are being more selfless, and then you have Drew Holiday, who has to be more selfish for that to work. But it's just that's kind of a funny situation in that sense. But yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things. These guys know uh, that you can't. It's not like before where you could have one superstar and that guy's the man, and you're going to win games. You need more guys working together, and more more guys that are superstars together working together to actually. Uh, have have some staying power in this league and to win games and to actually challenge. I mean, I think, you know, like you said about the 90s Bulls, like we're in that era right now. I mean, nobody, as long as 
Golden State doesn't suffer any major injuries. Nobody's beating that team as it's constructed at the moment. Um, and that's just what it is, you know. But I'm fine with being the Utah Jazz. I'm fine with being, you know, the, a team that's really good and we'll remember them as being really good and really fun and never winning a championship. It's okay. Like, it's hard to win a championship. Being that championship or bust mentality is just ridiculous. And it's Kevin, definitely you don't think the guys have a chance to win a championship if this year is successful and they can build on what they kind of started here? I mean, it's possible, but, like, you're looking at – I mean, you have two MVPs on one team and then a guy who could probably – you know, push for an MVP if he wasn't taking a backseat to the two MVPs on his team right now. And then also Draymond Green. And then also they get every really good vet that, that is chasing a ring for a minimum, you know, so they're, you know, they're bringing in guys like David West off the bench, you know, like it's, it's just, it's hard to see a team beating really actually being able to beat them. And I mean, Alvin Gentry said that too. It's like, even when, you know, they asked him about um, Carmelo going to the Thunder, and he was like, yeah, that makes that team good and all, but it doesn't matter because it's Golden State and then everybody else, you know, and that's really what it is right now until something drastically changes. Yeah, um, style, but what I'm saying is if, if, if our guys can work it out where we've got the two biggest and best big men in the game, and you know what, they're dynamic. So let's say they hold their own defensively. I don't know how teams are going to solve us on offense. And let's say Rajon Rondo turns out to be kind of the, the, the floor leader they need and, you know, they get the shooting they need. I don't see why this model can actually give teams like Golden State, Houston Rockets, you name it, the small ballers, some trouble as to where, you know, I mean, we saw Memphis Grizzlies last few years give teams trouble. San Antonio Spurs yeah. last year, if Kawhi doesn't go down. I don't know. I'm, I, just, I'm just, I, I guess I'm just trying to say I wouldn't roll out the Pelicans being something more than the Utah Jazz. You know, I would say we can still aspire to something bigger. That's all. I meant the Utah Jazz of the 90s, not, not the new oh, Utah Jazz. I'm Jeff. sorry. I missed that. My bad. <laughs> okay. Hey, guys. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. But I was going to say, yeah, I agree with you that we're going to give them trouble. But the thing is, you look at Golden State, it doesn't matter how good your defense is. Kevin Durant and Steph Curry can shoot over any any defense that's in front of them. We've seen that. So they're just ridiculously gifted shooters as a Clay Thompson. So that's, that, that's what my point was. But if anybody's going to give them trouble, I think it's going to be a team that's constructed the way that we are constructed. And even, I mean, you look at uh, – Cleveland, the way I mean, they're the team that gives them the most trouble, and in reality, they're starting two power forwards and a center every night. So, you know, that's that's like, uh, you know, that's a team that's playing bigger as well. It's not like we're the only team that's playing. Like that, that's not an example of being big working against them. Uh, let's get out of media day because we've got a lot left to cover. This is honestly going to be our longest episode yet. We've already got uh, 10 questions pouring in on top of training camp. But before we get out of media day, Ali, I, I, I want to write a, a love song right now for somebody who's not getting as much attention as I think he deserves. We've gone all in on on Gentry and Demps on the hot seat, DeMarcus Cousins, Rajon Rondo, Drew Holiday, uh, Ian Clark, Tony Allen, Dante Cunningham. But uh, one of the five best players in the league, in my opinion, is still on the Pelicans roster. His name is Anthony Davis. And so much of this happening is, is due to him. He's a quiet guy. He's, he's not as outspoken. He doesn't give you the quotes that DeMarcus Cousins gives. But what he does do is he calls up Drew Holiday and he offers him his house. He offers him money. He offers 
whatever is necessary to get him to re-sign. He, he does whatever DeMarcus Cousins needs for him to help him lose weight, all these off-season workouts. He's on the phone with Rajon Rondo. All of this, all of this happens because one of the best players in the world is comfortable taking uh, one backseat or two backseats or possibly like the fourth seat right now with, with how hard they're pushing Drew Holiday uh, in addition to Rajon Rondo being the floor general and DeMarcus Cousins needing his touches. If the Pelicans should somehow find a way to win 50 games this year, how do you keep Anthony Davis from being uh, the league's most valuable player? <laughs> Great question. You know, I don't know how you honestly answer that because let's say, for instance, that they do win those 50 games. you got to think AD and DeMarcus are going to be right up there alongside each other in points per game. What it may come down to is kind of honestly is what you just mentioned. is like all the extra stuff outside of the game, the quotes, maybe hitting a few game winners. Um, let's face it, M- MVP-driven uh, votes are often driven by the stud on the floor and sure Anthony Davis can swoop in dunk do whatever we've seen a year after year of nothing but amazing but if DeMarcus Cousins is right up there posting those numbers but yet he kind of becomes the face he kind of becomes the spokesman in the locker room um, I kind of agree with Kevin Garnett and a few others that said gone out on limb saying there's no reason why DeMarcus Cousins couldn't be the MVP um, I probably didn't answer your question um, but yeah I think this is going to be the toughest year yet for Anthony Davis honestly to go for that MVP um, we saw last year, for instance, Stephon Curry was barely even mentioned in any kind of news simply because of that Kevin Durant effect. Uh, what about a full season where AD's got DeMarcus alongside? And let's say if Holiday can and whoever else can take a step forward, his, all his 50-point games aren't going to be necessary. Uh, he's going to be able to take bigger rest. He's not going to be the one needing to get the rebound because Cousins is down there. You know, So his numbers, I think, are going to drop. We're going to see his numbers come down. And what did we see last year? Who are the two biggest vote-getters? James Harden, Russell Westbrook. So, yeah, I think his MVP campaign is going to take a hit because of his teammates, because production, not only because the production is going to go down, but because he isn't going to be that face of whatever you want to call it, post-game medias, um, whatever the instance is. Cousins is probably going to be the one, you know, kind of at that, not, I want to say seeing his limelight, but again, I think Anthony Davis will welcome it. I mean, he, he's got his money. He's got his check. He's winning. I don't know. I don't, I don't think he'll have a problem with it. I'm not sure if that's the angle you were going for, but no, Preston, I don't think his MVP campaign is going to be a strong one this year. I really don't. Let me throw this over to Kevin, because obviously you can't qualify, you know, sacrifice in terms of most valuable player voting. And his numbers are definitely going to take a dip from 29 and 11. I think they were last year. And I think he was second team all defensive uh, NBA. But should the Pelicans win 50 games, something that we see from these MVP candidates, it's almost like a most improved award, you know, where the Rockets uh, didn't didn't. I think they were a seven seed two years ago and then they subtract Dwight Howard and they gain Mike D'Antoni and they get to be a a two or three seed. And of course, he's in the conversation. Of course, he also has a, a very high level of usage. Same with Russell Westbrook, who you know, after losing Kevin Durant, wasn't supposed to make the playoffs and, like him, won a lot more games than he was supposed to. Should the Pelicans win more games than they're supposed to, somebody is going to be in that conversation. And just in terms of sacrifice, behind-the-court leadership or behind-the-scenes leadership, Kevin, how is that person, regardless of uh, what, what statistics Boogie puts up, how is that person not Anthony Davis? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I think Anthony Davis is really the backbone of the team. So no, no matter what, you know, I mean, he's he's the I think he's the best player on the team. I mean, it's close, obviously. Cousins is a very gifted player, but uh, AD is just also a, a much better defender and uh, just an athletic freak, you know. Um, but you know, Cousins has the three ball, and he's a much better passer and playmaker um, than AD is at this point. Um, so I think MVP is kind of an offensive driven stat mainly therefore I think you when you start looking at numbers you're going to see you know probably their points are going to be very similar their rebounds are going to be similar Cousins is going to have more assists and he's but you know at the same time AD is going to have more athletic crazy plays that stand out so that's one way he could win it but I think if you're in that conversation then I think what could possibly be the you know, if we're if we're a fifty fifty plus win team, and one of those guys is uh, is going to be an MVP, I think you might see it go to Cousins, and then you might see Defensive Player of the Year go to Anthony Davis. So they both get their awards. Uh, you know, I could see that being a, a solution. But I think if it's close, probably voting wise, it'll go to it'll go to Boogie. But in reality, I think AD is the true driving force of the team. It's just he's uh, like. Ollie said he doesn't have the personality and he's more likely to defer and uh, he's more likely to focus on the defensive end, whereas MVP is more offensive stats driven. I do want to add that in 17 games with uh, Boogie and Anthony Davis, uh, Anthony Davis still averaged 29 points per game where Boogie's numbers took a dip to 24. So I would still expect Anthony Davis to be the leading scorer on this team. But let's get to training camp uh, because we're already pretty far into this episode and I don't want anybody turning us off. Kevin, I'm going to start with you. Uh, David Fisher actually has an article on thebirdrights.com right now breaking down the Pelicans training camp roster. The Pelicans walk into training camp with 14 fully guaranteed roster spots locked up and a bunch of guys competing for that final spot, which is led by frontrunner Jordan Crawford, whose partially guaranteed contract I think was pushed back until November 10th when he's due, I think, for a $250,000 bonus. I'm not sure on that. Uh, but he's up against the likes of Perry Jones, Martel Webster, and newcomer 21-year-old Cliff Alexander. Kevin, what are the chances that Jordan Crawford is not the Pelicans' 15th guaranteed roster spot on October 17th? I would be extremely shocked if he's not the guy. The only way I see that happening, it's not from one of those guys beating him out. It's just, you know... Uh, they make a trade for for somebody, but I, I really don't think uh, there's any competition for Jordan Crawford at this moment, especially considering that he can be a, a point backup point guard. And if you're starting Drew Holiday and Rajon Rondo, your two starting caliber point guards are starting together, so you don't really have that reserve guy. And I see Crawford as being the guy that can be the guy to give you spot minutes at the at the point guard spot. You know, he's done that in the past. And it's something that I know when I interviewed him in the offseason, and that was something that they were working on him with is uh, running the offense. Um, so I think they have that in their minds, and I don't think he's going anywhere. Ali, he was such a critical linchpin off the bench last year after we added Boogie, uh, that, that sort of spark plug off the bench or the irrational confidence guy. And he shot very, very well, but uh, partially due to our lack of depth at the three position, a lot of people are still up on the air uh, as to whether or not he's going to get that guarantee. Do you think the Pelicans still, like Kevin suggested, uh, work that that 
trade uh, or waiver wire and try to bring in a different body? Or do you think uh, that Jordan Crawford's a lock to make this team? As of today, I think he's a lock to make it. I think he's done everything they've asked, and they have no reason not to believe that he's going to somewhat continue where he left last season off, simply because he showed that improvement in China in the G League where he started taking better shots, his percentages, efficiency started going up, and he started playing more of the team game that the Pelicans so desperately want their entire squad to play, you know? So I don't think there's anything there, especially with the guys that are in camp that are going to threaten him. Like Kevin said, it could be a trade. It could be something further down the road. But, again, you've got to think that if they're going to make a trade, they've got to be thinking they're trying to remove uh, Agenza or um, Ashik off the roster. So Crawford could be a casualty, say, being included as part of the package. But other than that, no, I think we've just got to expect him to make it. He's done everything they need to. He seems to be part of this core. He had a lot of stories. Um, he was, like in yesterday, he was really laughing up with Tony Allen. I caught on several occasions. Uh, this isn't somebody that's an outsider hoping to make the team. He he definitely feels like he's a part of the squad. Uh, Ali, you, you just know, t- – sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, you know, one thing that, you know, people always talk about with Crawford is his is, is shooting. But one thing that's really, I think, gets underrated about him is his ability to finish around the rim. He's like, he has a great layup game, a floater game that he's developed. And that, I think that's going to be really – nice for him in this offense coming off a cut and uh driving to the to the basket uh you know having some space uh getting you know passes from the elbow from cousins or rondo firing him on cuts or whatever um you know finishing around the room and i I think that's like an underrated part of his game and if he can get better on defense which is something that he told me when we did the interview that he was really working on and he said he echoed it again yesterday Mm -hmm. in media day um you know, if he, if, he's, if he improves a little bit on that end, then you can really see him get a lot more court time. Yeah, for a yeah. team reaching uh, fast. Sorry, did you want to get in there, Ali? Nope. Well, I just want to also mention, goes to your point, did we get enough shooting? You're going to get rid of Crawford? Seriously? Okay, go ahead. Yeah, no, <laughs> no, totally. I was just going to uh, compound that with, uh, you know, the team has been preaching uh, basketball IQ the last month or so. And after those uh, 17 or 25 games, rather, that he played in last year for the Pelicans, uh, he had a lot of that that veteran intelligence, at least offensively, as far as I saw. Not just his playmaking, uh, you know, shooting from behind the arc, but also some some crisp passes. He saw some lanes open up before anybody else. Uh, he was really confident with the ball. And if this team does need, like you said, shooters and need guys with basketball IQ, I think Jordan Crawford has both of those things. Uh, go ahead with what you were saying, Ali. No, that was simply it. I mean, Kevin made a great point about the cutting, and I completely forgot to mention about his floater game, that in-between game. That is huge, too. But, no, you can't get rid of a shooter off of this squad the way they're constructed right now. It's yeah. huge. I think he and Ian Clark are going to be a dynamic one-two off the bench. I really do. I, I do too, man. I'm excited about it. Uh, but I want to I wanna move right along. You were talking about Omar Ashik in a trade, and I just want to touch on that uh, briefly because Jim, and I apologize for this pronunciation, Eichenhofer and CBS Sports reported that he is being treated for Crohn's disease. He was limited to 31 games last season due to a bacterial infection. In addition to this, fans are asking or have been asking on Twitter the past 36 hours about you know, premature retirements, going back to Turkey, medical exemptions, that sort of thing. And we do want to say that we wish him the best. 
you know, obviously, like we talk a lot about cap space and bringing in talent and being able to use bodies. But at the end of the day, like we want this guy to get healthy. We want him back in the NBA. We want him playing. So best wishes to him. Um, I'll throw this to Kevin. What is the next step in this story? You know, I, I don't really know. I mean, obviously uh, insurance is, is paying for a salary right now. So he's really just a cap space hold. Uh, you know, no money's coming out of Tom Benson's pocket to pay him. Um, I don't think you can trade him for anything. Uh, so he's just going to sit on the roster until he either gets healthy or um, they they decide to cut him and stretch him next season. If they do that, I don't know. Um, but I, you know, I don't think he'll ever play an NBA game again. I really don't think that. Um, but you know, that if that medical like sort of the Chris Bosch situation happens. I mean, that would be great for the Pelicans. It's bad for him. But like I said, I really don't see him ever playing in an NBA game ever again anyway. So he would still walk away with all his money and hopefully have a healthy, happy life. And the Pelicans would have, you know, some extra cap space to work with next summer. But we'll see how it goes. I mean, he's looking a little bit better. He's definitely... You know, the last few times I saw him, I'd, I've seen him up close a few times because, you know, I live in the CBD, so I kind of cross paths with him every now and then, um, shopping and whatever. And he looked, you know, very skinny. But uh, yesterday when we saw him, he, he looked like he definitely had some weight back on him and he was looking a lot healthier, which is obviously a great sign for him. Uh, Ali, let's throw this over to you. I, I know you said, and Kevin just touched upon this too, that he was looking a little bit better and you were actually uh, possibly expecting that he could return at some point this season. I just want to reference something Del Demp said uh, yesterday. He said there's been some improvements with his health, but he also mentioned that he's not ready to play basketball. Uh, how long do you think he is out? And uh, like Kevin said, like what what do you think happens next with all of this? Well, as far as I know, right, with Crohn's disease, there is no cure. Um, there's nothing you can do like a procedure or any kind of medicine that's going to completely cure your symptoms. So this is something he's going to have to live with. Now, the question is how much can, you know, he bounce back. Um, I, I'm not optimistic at all. I'm, I'm with Kevin actually on this. I'm sorry if I misspoke her, but I don't think he is going to probably see another minute, perhaps even in the NBA. Um, so what we're staring at is either you kind, kind of dish him to a team knowing all this, and they're simply just collecting future assets by simply having him veg out on their uh, cap sheet or the Pelicans could be honestly looking at maybe a buyout next summer when uh, it's going to be less costly to do one of those uh, use, utilize the waiver or stretch and waiver uh, provision. Excuse me. So no, I mean, I'm not hopeful with Ashik in terms of contributions and or getting anything in value trade wise. Uh, I'm just happy. Like I said, to see him kind of, he was, he was chipper yesterday, Preston. He was actually smiling. And he kept on talking about how he's feeling better. So, you know, his previous whatever, five, six months beforehand really just sucked balls. I mean, I felt bad for the guy hearing that. It took so long for him just to get to this point. So, I think, honestly, for him, he, he's probably – he even was asked, I think, a question. And I, he kind of deflected and said there's not a timetable. But he said, basically, in effect, he's not even thinking about basketball right now. He just He's all about getting, you know, living life again, kind of being healthy again. So with that mindset, you can't expect anything from a guy like that, not on the Professional Basketball Association. Before we get to questions, Kevin, uh, I just want to briefly touch upon the Chris Haynes story featuring Quincy Pondexter and how uh, 
his 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 injuries with the Pelicans almost became life threatening uh, at this point last April due to an infection in his knee. Kevin, what was your response to the article, and uh, do you have anything to add on it? Um, I mean, it was it was troubling. You know, it was sad. I mean, I've always felt bad for Quincy Pondexter. I mean, I it was always sort of known that he he played he you know, skipped out on, on a surgery that he probably needed to, to finish playing out uh, on that playoff run and into the playoffs and basically sacrificed his career for the Pelicans. Now, how much of that was uh, his own decision? How much of that was the team encouraging him to, I don't, you know, I don't know. That's all behind the scenes stuff. You know, it's just in a whole unfortunate situation. And I, obviously the, my biggest takeaway from that is how terrible it is from the fans' perspective, to like give this guy shit over sitting out for an, a, a clear injury, you know the guy's dying to get back on the court. I mean, last last media day, it was really sad when he was up on the podium. It was like really depressing watching him talk. You know, you could tell he was a guy that was just strained. He was drained. He was doing everything he could to get back. He was frustrated. He was sad. You know, everything he had was being taken away from him from this one decision he made and whether he was misguided in that choice or it was just a choice he made that's you know up for debate um but you know it's just an unfortunate situation and I just think it's you know fans need to be more patient with guys you know I mean we've seen it here many times you know like you know Tyreek Evans playing through injury and very much uh derailing uh his tenure here you know you see people giving him shit about like he was he came back too early, played in that game in Sacramento, had to leave, uh, and he was in the locker room, and people were giving him shit about liking a photo on a uh, on Instagram, and it's like the guy's knee is swollen, you know, like he's given everything he can out there. Who cares? He's off the court. He's just trying to calm himself down and deal with an injury. You know, we just need to be more patient and more understanding. These guys want to be on the court. They're sacrificing themselves, like. That's the biggest takeaway from that whole situation for me. Ollie, you got anything to add? Nah, Kevin pretty much covered it. Nice job, Kev. Ollie doesn't even need to talk. You nailed it. All right, let's get on into our reader questions. <laughs> Quiet, I, I, I know. <laughs> I don't know if I should edit that out or just let it simmer. Uh, you guys, we so got I, some. I passed out from the praise. That's what happened. Came back. <laughs> uh, you guys, let's let's get into some good-natured questions on Twitter. Uh, just before I do that, I do want to mention the Pelican signed Cliff Alexander two days ago, according to Michael Shado of Basketball Insiders, bringing their training camp number to twenty. Cliff Alexander last signed unguaranteed deals. With the Nets and Magic last played in 15-16 when he saw action in eight games with the Portland Trailblazers. He played in the McDonald's All-American game at a high school, the Nike Hoop Summit. He represented the U.S. in international play. And David Fisher has a has a good article up that I referenced earlier uh, chronicling his history and his upside and, and how high his ceiling looked uh, in 2015 before his freshman year ended abruptly due to a pre-NBA draft loaning processing situation that I don't want to talk about because uh, it's all rumor mill that I found from the sportingnews.com. Okay, let's get to these questions. I'm going to start with Ali because there's a question from our good buddy Kumar at Bourbon Street Shots, and it says, when Boogie glared you down, did you pee a little? <laughs> yeah, he caught that. I had asked uh, 
Boogie a question unknowing that had just been answered right before. So in, in essence, I'm asking him the same thing. Uh, I'm and he's looking at me like, dude, I just like answered you. And I'm like, oh, crap, what a time to zone out. You know, I was checking an email. I was responding to an email. And I had been trying to, I, you can ask Kevin, I've been trying to ask a question. I think it was Stephen Boogie and one other player several times. But, you know, I kept on allowing other journals because they, you know, they're doing their job and they're speaking up first. So I kind of just, you know, fell <laughs> in this, this little lull and I totally missed. The fact that I, I can't remember it. Kevin, do you remember who else asked a question right before? Was it Fletch? I don't yeah, know. Anyway, that's a question. I just got done answering, but at least he smiled at me, Preston. He smiled. He's, he's like, it's okay. And, and I kind of <laughs> tried to do a follow up. I remember trying to follow up with it. I was like, but have you talked to Chris Finch one on one, you know? And that's not, I was trying, because I'd asked them, you know, have you worked one-on-one at all with our new offensive coordinator? Just like Anthony Davis, who had told us he had been working a lot with Darren Ehrman. And and I asked him about the comparison to Jokic. He's like, dude, I'm not making any comparisons. I just got done telling you. Oh, well, that's all right. Boogie's going to – what I told Kevin Preston, Boogie's not going to forget me. I'm going to be the dumbass of the group, you know? So it's cool. Hey, at least you got to talk to him. You got to breathe the same air. I'd say that's a win for you, sir. Uh, and, yeah. and I'm – I'm glad it happened to us, man, because that's that's a fun story. Uh, too too often, you know, you you ask the traditional questions like, uh, "Hey, uh, you know, talk about you know three point shooting, how critical it is." Uh, no, he's gonna remember you, Ali. He's gonna remember your face, your voice, your sound, everything. That's that's how you make an impression on a on a on an NBA athlete. You better believe I'm gonna apologize to him next time I see him, which I think will be tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, all right, Kevin, let's move. On. And you have a pre-existing relationship with Boogie from the time you guys talked on the phone a month ago. So I'm sure he'll give you the benefit of the doubt, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Kevin, uh, this is from our, my good buddy at Chris Huxtable from Pelican Debrief. Uh, our listeners probably know that I used to lead a podcast over there and uh, you can follow him at Impatient Bull. A shout out to him. Uh, he says, what's an honest expectation minutes wise for Czech Diallo out of the gate? Let's start with Kevin. You know, I would say, like, first off, I want to say, like, when we first got to media day, we walked in, we walked to the court, and the first person we crossed paths with was Diallo. And uh, he's noticeably bigger and noticeably more cut. He has a lot of muscle on him, and he looks really good. And he seems really confident. Um, during his media day session, he said he's trying to be the sixth man on this roster. But realistically, I still would expect a lot of BNPs from D-League time. I would say, you know, barring injury, you're looking when he does play five to seven minutes a game. Um, I mean, I, I think he's going to be a, a good player, but he just still, you know, needs to learn the game more. Like we talked about this before, you know, like, all of us have probably played more basketball than he has. You know, he, he barely, you know, he, he's very new to basketball. And um, he has great tools, and I think he's going to be a solid player. He just needs to, uh, especially on the defensive end, you know, get some more awareness. But, you know, I think he's going to spend more time with the team than he did last year because of the two-way contract guys. They're going to be out there playing in the, in the G League, and they're going to probably want to develop Diallo more, and they just need bigger bodies in practice this year because they don't have that many big guys. So he's going to be around the team more, which will help him. So I think when he does play, you're looking five to seven minutes, but I would expect a lot of DMPs still. What about you, Ali? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm in that same boat. If he's seeing a lot of minutes, man, we're in trouble. He's not ready. I think everybody knows that. And with what the Pelicans want to do, and the fact that Gentry alluded to the fact that if DeMarcus and AD are in the game, that they're looking to run more and play a little bit smaller, have a shooter at the four. I don't know how Diallo fits in that equation. Um, granted, if Agenza, if Alexi gets off to a slow start, maybe he can soak up some kind of backup minutes. That would probably be his best bet for at least the first couple months or so. But other than that, yeah, it's going to be garbage time. you, you got to think at the outset. I was just going to say, with uh, the subtractions of Terrence Jones and Monte Yunus, uh, really the only physical big that you have on the roster is Agensa. And uh, I don't know, I, I think I put the two of them on par. Obviously, Agensa has the veteran experience. He's played more basketball. He's going to be a little bit more capable defensively. But And you can slide Darius Miller and Dante Cunningham possibly to the four at times. But as far as, like, you know, uh, a backup center, like, I, I don't see a reason why you should give uh, Agensa more minutes than Diallo at this point. At least, you know, throw him out there and see what happens the the first uh, 10 or 15 games. But uh, let's let's move right along. Uh, I hope I don't butcher your name, Ben Mutton or Mouton. Uh, let's start with Ali. What are our weaknesses when teams play small against us when we're playing big? And do we have a shot at a top five defense? The biggest question, is, and yet it can also be its biggest selling point, is going to be how Anthony Davis can guard the uh, opponent's small ball fours, like a Kevin Durant, like if Kawhi Leonard, or whoever, LeBron James, whoever plays the four, in essence, Anthony Davis is going to have to guard the, non, the biggest non-center. How well he can handle his defensive assignment is going to dictate how well our team overall plays defensively. Because if he starts getting beat off the dribble, there's going to be breakdowns, some shooter's going to be left open, and boom, we're going to get shredded yeah, as long as the uh, opposing team is making their open shots. Um, that's really what it's going to boil down to. Because otherwise, think about it. I mean, we've said it a million times here, on, even on just on this podcast, other teams are going to have to contend with us being big. They're going to have to match up in size. And you got to think almost more times than not, we're going to score. We're going to... We're going to either get fouled, get to the free throw line, get an open shot, or Boogie or AD are simply going to overwhelm whoever's their assignment. So it's, and this is what Phil Weber even said over the summer. So this isn't a surprise. It's going to be how well do the Pelicans guard down? And it's all on the AD's shoulders. Um, if he can do a good job, if he doesn't get burned, toasted, pick, get into foul trouble, I think our guys are going to be fine. I think the big experiment has a really good chance of working. I mean, this isn't a couple slow footed big guys out there. No. Anthony Davis is a deer who's got unbelievable athleticism. And DeMarcus Cousins isn't, isn't like in AD's league. But granted, for a five, he, he's, got, he's got great footwork. He's quick. He's got great instincts. Um, there's no reason why this team can't be in challenge for a top five uh, defensively uh, in the league. All right, Kevin, I'm going to put you on the spot here because I don't think you or anyone else has listened to our four division previews, but J-Rob has, and he says... Hang on one second. Let me, can I just add to Ollie's thing real quick? Yeah, totally. Go. Um, I would just say uh, one thing. I, I had this in note, notes for uh, a podcast we had in the past, and I don't think I ever got to talk about it, but Alvin Gentry mentioned it yesterday, and I think it's a, a key point in this whole thing too is how good DeMarcus Cousins is at drawing a charge. He has like incredible stat numbers at drawing a charge. So when we're playing big and a guy blows past somebody or just when we're playing whatever and a guy blows past his cover, you have Cousins there taking a charge. And I think 
I think the stat, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I want to say it's like 80% of the time that there's a collision, he gets the call going his way. And that's huge. That's, that's creating a turnover right there, taking away a possession. It's better than a block shot, a missed shot, whatever, because uh, it's not a 50-50, you get the ball. Um, so um, I think that's one way to counter that. And I do think that we can have a top five defense to answer that question. I'm sorry to interrupt you now. No, not at all. Yeah, let's let's get uh, back to that. Uh, we still got a couple of these, and uh, this is congratulations, you guys. This is now officially our longest podcast ever. Uh, let's get back to J. Rob. I'm convinced that we're second in the division behind Houston. Am I crazy? Uh, and this is in reference to our four uh, division preview or our division preview for our Southwest uh, competitors: the Houston Rockets, San Antonio Spurs, the Grizzlies, and the Mavericks. And I have to admit myself that. After listening to our friends from the Mavericks and Grizzlies, I, I wasn't too afraid of those two guys. But, Kevin, do you put us behind Houston, or do you think the Spurs are still going to be in the mix there? Um, I think this, I think it's crazy to assume that Houston is better than the Spurs, really. I mean, they're doing an experiment over there as well. And you look at the rest of that roster, um, it's kind of, I don't know, like, you know, as much as people are saying, oh, you, you got uh, two big men, how's that going to work together over here? You got the same question over there in Houston. And then, and now let's face it, like, the, if the league is seriously focusing on stopping those uh, arm, arm swings and those grabs and things like that, that's two of the most deadly things that Harden and Chris Paul do. So if they're taking those calls away, that gets them to the line of taking points off the board for them. Uh, keeping the the other team's best players on the court because they're not getting in foul trouble. Um, Ryan Anderson, like, I mean, Ollie knows behind the scenes. I've never been a big fan of Ryan Anderson, so I don't. I mean, they're die. They were dying to get rid of him this off season, and he's going to get eaten alive at the four over there. Capella's a good player, but if, if we're like, you look at the division, you know, they got he's going to be guarding. Marcus Aldridge is going to be guarding uh, Boogie Cousins. He's going to be guarding Marcus All. He's going to get in foul trouble a lot because those guys are all bigger than him. Um, so you know, I'm not sold. I mean, I think Houston's going to be good. Don't get me wrong. I think they're. I think they're probably. I don't know if they're better than us. I, I really don't. Uh, but they're going to be a good team. And uh, but I think the Spurs. I mean, I'm never going to count them out. They got. I mean, Kawhi Leonard's an incredible player. He could still be even better. Uh, he's still, you know, he's still young. He could still improve. Um, Aldridge, I don't know about him. Gasol, I don't know what they're expecting out of him. Uh, Rudy Gay, I don't know. You know, there's a, there's a lot of question marks there. There's a reason to question them. But every year there seems to be reasons to question the Spurs, and every year they just produce. So I'm not ready to say that they're not the top dogs still. And I'm gonna roll with them as the 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 winner of the division, and us and Houston battling it out for number two. And like you said, I'm not scared of Dallas or uh, from Memphis right now. Uh, Ollie, just to support what J. Rob's saying, the Spurs did lose Jonathan Simmons, Dwayne Deadman, Manu, and Tony Parker are older, uh, and they miss more and more games every year. It seems to me. They added Rudy Gay, Joffrey Laverne. Uh, they brought back Pau Gasol. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge seems to be regressing a little bit. Do you think the Spurs win 61 games again this year, or do you think they take a step back? 
I think they're going to be right in that thick of, you know, 55 to 60 win range. You can't ever count them out. The whole is definitely greater than the sum of their parts. Pop has proven that. Um, he, he could throw you, me, and Kevin out there, and guess what? They're still going to win 50 games. I don't know how he does it, but you gotta you got to give him the benefit of the doubt. No, Preston, I think, honestly, the Spurs are going to finish ahead of the Pelicans, and you've got to think the Rockets are too. I mean, we're, we're, we're just hoping to make the playoffs. I mean, we, this team won 34 games last year, and Grant's a totally different look, but for them to jump up by, and improve their win total by at least 20 games, ah, you know, you just can't really bet on it. Not when Houston's improved. And honestly, I think for the Spurs, they've got the MVP. I think Kawhi Leonard is going to walk away with the MVP. No doubt about it. Every other team's got like a super team going. So like Russell Westbrook, he's going to have to share um, the production a lot more with Melo and Paul George and, you know, Harden down in Houston with Chris Paul. So Kawhi Leonard, he doesn't have such a problem. Nope, the team still desperately needs him on both sides of the ball, and he's still young. I definitely foresee him having that type of LeBron James type of year where he's going to maybe push, you know, 20, 29 points a game and do a lot of other things. So the Spurs, as long as they can get Kawhi out there for at least 70 games, I don't see how they're going to finish any worse than the Pelicans this year. And that's something J.R. Wilco of PoundingTheRock.com and I spoke about, about Kawhi being a a leading candidate for that this year uh, to go along with LeBron James, just because Westbrook is now part of a super team and James Harden, uh, like you said. Let's get to Mike Skeet. Uh, We'll start with Kevin. He said, Jordan Crawford said, and I didn't read this quote, but maybe you guys said it. uh, He said that Jordan Crawford said that he's going for six man of the year if they give him the opportunity. Uh, Kevin, what do you think about that? I mean, he definitely has that mentality, and you know he's not shy about shooting. So, and that award always seems to go to the guy who makes a lot of points off the bench. You know, like another Crawford, Jamal Crawford wins that a lot because of that. Lou Williams, same thing. So, if he does get in that scenario where he's getting the bulk of the six-man minutes and being the scorer on the second unit, then sure. But you know, I, I like I said, I think he's going to be have a good role on this team, but I just, I don't think he's going to have that role this year just because we have too many other good players on the, on the squad right now. Ollie, I'm, I'm going to skip you on that one, unless you have some burning thing that you want to mention about that, uh, about that question. Do you? No, no, we can move on. <laughs> cool. Thanks, man. Dallas of Athens writes, what team overall three point percentage puts the Pelicans over the top, makes them contenders. Uh, I guess this question is just referencing Ollie. Do, do the Pelicans need to reach a three-point uh, threshold to be successful, like an overall team percentage of 36 points from deep? Uh, I want to say no. It's going to be even less of a issue this year as compared to last year after the trade for uh, Boogie. They've, they've got, you know, I mean, I've, I've been harping on about it all summer long, but I feel like they have enough three-point shooting on the team. If Cunningham can kind of, and Crawford can kind of, Continue what they did last year. Etchwan Moore um, doesn't suffer. He suffered a big downturn in his numbers after the All-Star break. But as Kevin's always been in my ear about, the guy played hurt for maybe half the season. He had foot, foot issues, I think, all year, kind of on and off. So let's say Etchwan Moore gets back to being around 40%. Got Holiday. You got hopefully Darius Miller um, and then Ian Clark. Um, so if these guys are just making their share of shots, and I guess I guess that's why it's so hard for me to put a number on it. It's all going to depend on the matchup, Preston. If we have to score a lot of points, yeah, they're going to need to make a lot more threes. If we're playing Golden State and they're not having a terrible off night, 
the Pelicans are going to have to put up a lot of points and there's going to have to be a lot of threes. But if we're playing against the Grizzlies, kind of a worse team out East, I don't think they even have to make 10 to win the game. Um, and especially the big thing really what to watch is how early and often is this team going to get to the free throw line? If they can live off the, at the free throw line, it puts even less pressure on me that three, three point shot every game. So I don't think it's right to put a number on it. It's just, it's going to be total game to game, but as long as there's somewhere in like right in the, you want to say the middle tier of the NBA, that's going to be more than fine. I think for this team. Kevin, last yeah, question. I, oh, sorry. Get in well, there. I was just going to say. Like, God, Kevin, we're going to be say. here all night. <laughs> <laughs> I told you I was free all night. Thing, come on. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's, I was going to echo what Ollie said. I think free throw rate is really what's going to be more important than three-point rate because you got the two bigs. You're going to be playing inside more. You, you're focusing on cutting. Um, you got smaller guys guarding bigger guys. You're going to get those guys to the line. Cutters are going to cause defenses to react, probably react late, get some fouls that way. If we're getting to the line a lot, we have pretty good shooters uh, from the free throw line, especially our two bigs are uh, good free throw shooters. So um, I think that's more crucial than three-point shooting uh, for us in terms of determining wins. All right, Kevin, I have no idea how to pronounce this. This is our last question. Thank you so much to you guys. Uh, This is from Amar, and I'm going to try this. Yubajunkic? I don't know. It's at Il Capitano Yuv. Uh, Kevin, give us your best impression. My best impression? <laughs> Go I'm for so it, glad man. you didn't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, don't, I don't have one. <laughs> okay, Ali, you want to step up? Oh, who should I imitate? Come on, give me at least somebody. Is it somebody from the team you want me to do or what? Uh, whoever you want to, I'm going to start us off because, uh, people say, well, you that know, I- Hey, Preston, Preston, seriously, since we've kept our guys or I'm sorry, our listeners on for so long, and we know who the actor is in the group. Let's hear you do one. Oh, good grief. Uh, I do a couple, but my favorite one to do is Gollum. I'll do my best. It's mine. And it wants us. It needs us. And we will have it. No. So that's it. I could go on for a while, but you guys have probably had enough of this. Standing O, dude. Standing O. That was awesome. Yeah, that was, Thanks, man. That was I'm trying great. to think of what it... Uh, he says something like the... the we want it raw. I can't remember, but um, I, I used to have like a whole bit that I would do with it. But anyway, uh, let's let's wrap this up. Thank you guys so much for your questions. As always, we really appreciate it. That is it for now, Pels fans. Before we go, make sure you check out our previous four episodes, breaking down the Pelicans for Southwestern Conference foes, the Spurs, the Rockets, the Mavs, and the Grizzlies. We didn't get a lot of downloads on those episodes in terms of to what we usually average. Uh, we probably about got about a third of them. So it's up to you guys. If you guys want me to continue calling people and interviewing experts from other sites and doing team previews and stuff and like speaking with the enemy before and after games, then, then it's up to you. Head on over and download those episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Google Play, TuneIn, or wherever you find your podcasts. Ollie, training camp is in full swing. What will the birdrights.com have for our listeners over the next few weeks? We're going to have a lot more previews, and I plan on attending at least two of these next three practices uh, this week, so I'm hoping to get some good, juicy stuff from there. Uh, it's basically we're just going to now go with day-to-day stuff, you know, whatever happens, news, either in practice or in games. Uh, but like I said, we've got some more preview stuff to take care of. But other than that, yeah, we're going to be focused on the season and up to the minute news reporting. 
Nice. Kevin, you got anything coming up for us or any parting shots? Uh, well, I, I got some uh, player previews I'm going to start working on, hopefully tonight, uh, you know, once I get rid of this headache that I've been having for the last couple of days. And then um, we got a preseason game on Tuesday, so that'll be fun. I'll be going out there. I would be going to the practice, but I got I to gotta work, so I'm, I'm going to miss that open practice. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to Tuesday against the Bulls. I think that today we are officially three weeks away from uh, the October 17th matchup with the Grizzlies. Did I get that right? I think you may be right, yeah. We are three um, weeks no, away. From no, you missed no. it. I think you missed it by a day. It's a Wednesday. 18th is a Wednesday. Oh, Today's man. Tuesday. Okay. I guess the NBA season kicks off on the 17th, but we're on the 18th yeah. at Memphis. Got yeah. you. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. I will not be contributing anything over the next two weeks. I think I have a podcast with Zach Yunda on Saturday morning. I take that back. Never mind. Disregard what I just said. But I have been your host, Preston. Uh, I am getting married in uh, next Friday, so I'm not going to be doing a lot on this podcast in the next few weeks. I know. I'm I'm super pumped. We're doing our we were supposed to do our honeymoon in Puerto Rico, but now we're going to California. Uh and if you the listeners are thinking, God, I love Preston so much. I wish I could just get him a wedding gift. Good news, you guys. You can. You can go to iTunes right now and give me a five-star rating. You can retweet and share this episode, leave a comment, and my blissful marriage will be all the sweeter thanks to you and your clicks. Uh, But for now, keep your eyes locked on thebirdrights.com because we've got games coming next week, as Kevin just said. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're three weeks and one day away from the regular season. Let's get pumped, Pelicans fans. Let's go, Pels. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis. How was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat? What? GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Geico presents oh, yet another voicemail from your roommate. Hi. So, about the kitchen. Turns out when there's a grease fire, you're not supposed to throw water on it. <laughs> Who would have known, right? Anyways, the fire department is here and it's totally cool. Give me a call back when you get a chance. The Geico Insurance Agency could help keep your personal property protected, like if danger is your roommate's middle name. Visit geico.com to see how easy it is to switch and save on renter's insurance.